dear listeners, and welcome once again to Wisdom Within, the podcast for all those living with mental health conditions and for all those who support them. I'm Kathy Sirline, your pod hostess and peer support human. In the room with us are Bella and Biggs, our support dogs, who are curled up and napping in their blankies, snoring away. And by the way, if you ever do hear snoring during an episode, that's probably Bella because she lays right next to me while I'm working and Biggs is maybe uh, three feet away. But he, uh, he snores pretty loud too for a little guy, so you never know. But if you hear snoring during an actual episode, that's how our dogs sometimes show their support of this program. So just sharing that with you. So for today's episode, we're going to take a look at ways to uh, try to stop obsessing, obsessing, and start enjoying more of your life. And this is actually going to be, I'm going to be sharing an article with you by Carrie Burns. And Carrie is a blogger. She says she's on a mission of self-discovery. She's a sexual abuse survivor that struggled for years with depression and anxiety, low self-esteem, lack of self-love, and relationship issues. She found her purpose through writing and sharing her story with others. You can check out her writing at www.acinglife.com if you're interested. We're delighted to share with you today an article that she did for one of our favorite sites, tinybuddha.com, and uh, it really just resonated with me. I actually wasn't planning on recording today and came across this article and thought, this is great because a lot of it, I can hear my own voice uh, when I read it. And just so you know, one of the reasons that I do the podcast is because I struggled so much early on in my own illness with finding good resource material. I struggled to read at the time. My comprehension of what I was reading was just non-existent and I'm an avid reader. So for me, it was heartbreaking to not be able to understand things that I was trying to read. So part of the reason that I do the Wisdom Within podcast is to bring a human connection to folks who are kind of still in that part of the struggle as well. Of course, it's to share good information with everybody, but um, my heart goes out to those folks who are really struggling in their own um in their own ways with their diagnosis or their illness or living with a chronic condition or learning to live with a chronic condition, that early going can be so debilitating in itself. It's so stressful. Um, So my idea with Wisdom Within is not just to share good resources and some of my own experience, but also to take um, great writings that we've found and share them with you guys um, because you know, some of this stuff just doesn't cross your path. You know, if you haven't been researching and studying for a while and signing into all these different great resource links to get regular emails and regular postings and so forth, and then picking and choosing from those, it's taken a period of time to build up this collection of materials. So, um, but when I come across a really good one, like I did today, I'm just inspired to just go ahead and share it. So enough of me rambling on for this intro. (laughs) And after this short break, we're going to come back and take a look at 
how to stop obsessing and start enjoying more of your life. Stay with us, friends. Welcome back to Wisdom Within. Uh, before I begin this uh, sharing this article with you, um, I want to say that I also felt a connection to the author um, in, a, in a lot of personal ways. Um, I, too, have been on a mission of self-discovery and have uh, used blogging and writing as part of that process. I'm also a sexual abuse survivor. I also struggled for years with depression and anxiety, and at times I still do. Uh, low self-esteem, lack of self-love, many relationship issues, although quite happily I know that I am now in a lifelong relationship. Um, but she found her purpose through writing and sharing her story with others, and so and that's basically the premise of what we do here at Wisdom Within. So I'm going to share this with you. It's it's her voice writing it, but I feel like some of it is my voice too, including some of the more humorous parts. So I'm going to begin sharing this with you uh, from Carrie Burns, Three Ways to Stop Obsessing and Start Enjoying More of Your Life. She starts with a quote from Marcus Aurelius, Very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself, in your way of thinking. I've come to realize that worrying and obsessing don't help or change anything. Hold up, wait a minute, let me rephrase that. Because worrying and obsessing do change things. They make your life worse. I think that pretty much everyone in the world knows this, but how hard do we actually try to stop doing these things? Every day you wake up and you think and obsess and wonder, what if, what if I lose my job? What if he leaves me? What if I lose everything and end up homeless? Day after day, your mind spins out of control, contem contemplating all the things that could go wrong with your relationship or your life. On and on and on it goes, and where it stops, nobody knows. Aren't you getting tired of thinking all the time? Isn't obsessing about possibilities wearing you out? At what, po at what point do you decide you should stop getting caught up in your thinking but then, but then actually make a change. I'm tired and I know relentless thinking wears me out. Just to let you know that I understand, I'll give you an example. Honestly, I have the best boyfriend ever, for me anyway, because he doesn't let a lot of things get him down. I mean, the guy is genuinely happy and content 99% of the time. Me, not so much. He's been through multiple deployments, many of them combat, and still he never lets stuff get to him. But how does this happen? Where can I get some of what he has? This I have been contemplating. I've come to realize that he feels happy more than I do because he doesn't overanalyze life or question everything and obsess about the future. And he probably also doesn't obsess about how happy he is and how he can be happier. Here's how it goes. Me, does he even love me? 
Is he ever going to totally integrate me into his life? Am I too boring for him? I really need to get some hobbies. Am I settling or do I expect too much? I'm so fussy sometimes and I don't know how he handles it. Where are we, where are we going to move? When is he going to deploy? Where is he going to go? Is he going to leave me here all alone? And I look over at him longingly, wondering what's going through his mind. Because it must be something serious and important, and he must be contemplating the fate of our relationship or the existence of the universe, right? He knows when I look at him with that longing look that I want to know what he's thinking about. So I say, tell me, I must know. And he says, I need some new pants. Or he'll utter, I think I want a keyless ignition for my bike. Or the earth-shattering statement, my feet really stink. It's possible he's just not telling me what he's really thinking. But if he is obsessing like I do, it doesn't show in how he lives his life. The more time I spend with him, the more I realize I am wasting my life away obsessing about what might be or what could be or what isn't instead of simply enjoying the moment and living in gratitude for what I have. My guy gets all happy and excited about the little things and for some reason I don't. I try. So far I have failed. But I vow that going forward, I will not fail. I will stop obsessing all the time. And I will be a lot happier as a result. Do you know why you obsess? Is it serving a purpose anymore? If not, you can change it. Here's how. First, you have to want it. Are you at the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? If not, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe obsessing still works for you in some way, and you aren't yet ready to change. That's okay. We all change when we're ready, and we get to different points at different times. Wanting to change starts with a conscious choice you have to make. At some point, you decide that you want to take control of your life instead of letting your life your history, and your mind have control over you. So think long and hard. Do you really, truly, honestly want to be happier? I believe I've actually struggled with this notion for a long time. In my head, I want to be happy. But in my heart, there's always this seed of doubt. Happiness is something I had briefly when I was a small child, but it was shattered by abusive adults. What if I get it back again and it gets taken away again? As an adult, I know that isn't logically possible because no one can take away my happiness, but it's still a lingering fear. Do you feel something similar? Despite this fear, I've decided that I want to be happier. I'm running out of time. We're all running out of time. Your life is ticking away every day, and you never know when it will end. Decide you want to enjoy 
more of your life. Decide you deserve to enjoy more of your life. Decide you will do something to change and then you will. The second part is you have to rewire your brain. This is the hard part. Your mind has been wired a certain way, possibly due to traumatic events or abuse or neglect. There's a roadmap that takes you from point A to point B without fail. Before you know it, an innocuous thought like, does he really care about me, has turned you into remembering every instance he showed you that he didn't care, or at least that's how you interpreted those events. And you now have convinced yourself that you should break up. See how this works? Often it isn't logical and it isn't factual. You're creating stories in your head because your mind is trying to contain and assuage your fears, to put them in a box and allow you to function with the ever scary quote unquote not knowing. The fact of the matter is you don't know. You don't know if your partner will leave you. They might. They might die. They might cheat. They might break up with you. Or they might stay forever. You don't know if you'll die tomorrow. You don't know if you'll lose your job or have financial struggles or end up winning the lottery. Recognize when you are obsessing. Then decide. Decide to accept what you don't know and stop getting caught up in your thoughts. Do it once. Do it twice. Do it over and over and over until you have some peace. If meditation helps, then do that. If sitting at the beach or reading a book helps, then do that. Do whatever will help you bring peace to your mind. Once you've created a little space in your head, you have to start believing. When you realize you've been wondering, does he or she really care about me? Remind yourself, he or she shows it all the time. Start believing the good instead of the bad. It took me about a year to convince myself that my boyfriend really cared, even though his actions showed he did. He kept showing up. He didn't run away, but still I had to get over my fear that no man would ever really care about me and that they'd only want to use me. If your partner doesn't show they, they care, then that's something you need to actively address. Obsessing about something can't change it. Only action can. Third. You have to learn to love the little things. I know this is hard sometimes. If you feel apathetic or tired or depressed, it's hard to see the good in anything. But every day, there are usually little things that happen that could bring you joy, even if for a few minutes. Yesterday, I went to the beach for a few hours. Being in the sun, feeling the wind, and hearing the ocean brings peace to my soul. I try to do this as often as possible because it reminds me to appreciate just being alive. 
Watching him cook breakfast makes me very happy. I had to learn to sit back and let someone do something for me, and now I smile a little every time he whips up some eggs and bacon. They have a baby hippo over at the zoo. He weighs 500 pounds, but he bobbles around like a fat, happy little apple in the water, and watching him makes me happy. I decided to buy some flowers to put in our bedroom so I can look at the sunny little yellow bunch every day. And I'm thinking we need a dog so I have something else to focus on. I'm trying to find simple things that make me happy instead of waiting for some big giant event or some magical time when life suddenly changes and becomes more fulfilling because that won't ever happen. You create your reality. And if you keep just waiting for life to happen, it will slowly pass you by. What about you? What makes you happy? There must be something you're grateful for. And if not, find it or create something. Do you paint or write? Maybe you like animals and you want to volunteer at a shelter. Maybe you need to get out in nature every day, even if it's only for a little while. Think of the, all those little things that bring you joy and make sure you do them as often as possible. Try to focus on what's good in your life because we can spend all day focusing on what's wrong or what isn't working or what could be better. But honestly, that doesn't get us anywhere but into a negative spiral. Most importantly, don't give up if you fall backward. Don't let the outside world make you feel like you aren't enough if you aren't perfect and happy and smiling all the time like everyone else on Instagram. A picture is not life. And social media can make you feel like a failure if you let it. It's okay to struggle. You don't have to be perfect. You are enough just the way you are. And as long as you keep moving forward and continue to make peace with your journey, you are doing all you can and you should be proud of yourself. So get out there, stop letting obsessive thoughts control you, and start living your life for today. We'll be right back with more of our program in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, fellow pod people. Today we're talking about ways to stop obsessing and start enjoying our lives more. I know that in our uh, in the article we just went over from Carrie Burns, we talked about three steps or three ways to stop obsessing. And I'm sure that for some of us, that's not enough to pick and choose from. So here we have some more ways for you to think about ending your relationship with obsession. And I can totally relate. For as long as I can remember, I've struggled with obsessive thoughts, with severe ruminations that can interfere with just daily life. My thoughts get stuck on something and, like a broken record, repeat a certain fear over and over and over again. The French call OCD, or Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, folie de deux. I might not pronounce that quite right, but it's the doubting disease. And that's what obsessions are. A single doubt caught in an endless loop of thoughts. But even people who are not diagnosed 
with something like OCD can struggle with obsessions. In fact, I have yet to meet someone who lives with depression who does not ruminate, especially in our age of anxiety. Every day gives sensitive types like myself plenty of material to obsess about. So I'm constantly pulling out the tools that I've acquired over time to win against my own obsessive thoughts, to develop more confidence, which is the antidote to doubt, and to take charge of my brain. And I hope that some of these will help you as well. So a really important tip, I think, is to be able to name the beast. What is my fear? What is that doubt? I make myself describe it in one sentence, or if I can, in just a couple few words. Um, for example, when I was released from the hospital psychiatric ward some years ago, I was really afraid that my um, my people would all find out that I had been there. Um, you know, friends, co-workers, family, obviously my close family knew, but, um, you know, I obsessed about it and obsessed about it and obsessed some more, and finally I was able to just name it. I am afraid that if my people find out that I was hospitalized with severe depression, that they won't respect me anymore. Um, so there it was, that, that was the beast, and I had named it, and by doing so, I took away some of its power over me. Um, another good tip, a while back when I was especially tormented by some obsessive thoughts, my therapist told me to try to schedule a time of day where I would be free to ruminate. That way, she said, when you get an obsession, you can simply tell yourself, sorry, it's not time for that. You will have to wait until 7.30 this evening when I give you my head 15 minutes to obsess your heart out. I remember recording in my journal everything I was dwelling on for 20 minutes every night, that I was a horrible mom, an inadequate writer, that no one liked me, and so on. And just being able to do that and close the book on it, uh, and then I would do something much more positive or peaceful to myself for myself. But but sometimes scheduling that. Uh, Okay, you get you, you. I'll come to you at seven thirty, um, and by then it may not be something that you even need to obsess over anymore. So you're continually by doing that, practicing negating those obsessions. So good for you, and keep keep going. Um, another suggestion that I always encourage people to keep in mind is to find your funny, find a way to laugh, laugh at it laugh through it, you know, that obsession journal story, um, you know, once you journal everything you're obsessing about and then you read it all over, it's kind of, it, it looks ridiculous on paper. When it's in your head, it seems all serious and profound and you're, you've wound yourself up tighter than a knot. And in truth, once you put it all on, on paper, First of all, you've gotten it all out of you. And the second part is you recognize it as just obsessive thoughts. Um, so it is a good tool. Um, 
I, I recommend finding your funny whenever possible, even if it's looking back at what you've written and realizing how funny it is that you're having these um, perpetual thoughts that aren't getting you anywhere or serving you any purpose. Um, we often have heard, if you are like me and uh, have had family or friends who you've tried to explain your diagnoses to or what you live with and they tell you to just snap out of it. That is not how it works. So there is a tool though called snap out of it, um, which means to literally snap. Um, that's what I did for a few months when I couldn't take these obsessions anymore. I wore, I got this from idea from my son who was for a time a contract mail carrier and he always had these rubber bands on things that would, you know, rubber bands around stacks of things as he was carrying them and the bands would break and snap on his arm. Um, and so I put a rubber band on my wrist and every time my thoughts would turn to um, obsessive thoughts, I'd snap the band as a reminder to let that go. Um, and fair warning, by bedtime, my wrist was a tad red. <laughs> um, you could also try to write out the obsession on a piece of paper and then crinkle it up and throw it in the garbage. That way you've literally thrown out your obsession. Or you could try visualizing a stop sign. When your thoughts go there, see that stop sign flashing and look at the sign and stop. Um, so it's it, it's it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes it's just getting in the habit of utilizing one or two or three of these different tools to get yourself in the habit of exercising those obsession thoughts and getting them out of there. Um, we often obsess about our mistakes. We know we mess up. We beat ourselves up over and over again for not doing something right the first time or for unintentionally causing hurt for someone else. And if that's the case, we can ask ourselves, what is the lesson here? What have I learned? Just like the part about naming the beast, describe the lesson that you've absorbed in one sentence or less and, and write that down and carry that forward. The lessons learned matter much more than the mistakes we make. And in that case, after you take away whatever lesson, you have to forgive yourself. This is a hard one. Um, perfectionism uh, was described by uh, an author, uh, Julia Cameron, in The Artist's Way. She wrote, perfectionism is a refusal to let yourself move ahead. It is a loop, an obsessive, debilitating, closed system that causes you to get stuck in the details of what you are writing or painting or making or whatever you're doing and to lose sight of the whole instead of creating freely and allowing errors to reveal themselves later as insights. We often get mired into getting the details right. We correct our own originality into 
something more uniform that lacks passion or spontaneity. So forgiving yourself means concentrating on the insights we gain from our mistakes, the lessons learned, and to let go of the rest. Also, so often the cause of an obsession or obsessive thoughts uh, aren't the real issue. The, ob the object or person or situation is masking some deeper issue that we're too afraid to face. A friend of mine obsessed and obsessed and obsessed about the placement of his fence in his backyard. At this time, his wife's illness was something that he had no control over, but he could manage the fence. So he went out with his measuring stick day in and day out until he could finally just surrender to his situation. Uh, someone I used to work with fantasized about a colleague to whom they were attracted, and it was an especially stressful time for this person in their regular life, caring for four young kids, uh, plus a, the mother, their mother, um, and so daydreaming about running away with a coworker kind of gave an escape. Um, the obsessions weren't really about the coworker as much as they were more about the need for some fun in their life and some relief in their life. Uh, interrupting, interrupting a conversation is, a, is where a bad habit can come in handy. Um, I have a bad habit of interrupting people. Um, if you're always like that, you can't help it. You get curious about a detail in someone's story and you want to hear more about that um, rather than letting them just go on to the end of the story. But here's where an obsession, that's how an obsession works in your brain. It's like a conversation over coffee. This is why he hates me and this too is why he hates me. And did I mention why he hates me? I'm sure he hates me. So practice some of your rude manners and interrupt yourself. You don't even have to say, excuse me. Ask yourself a question or throw out another topic. By doing so, you're catching that snowball before it accumulates and you're throwing it back with momentum because as most of us learned in physics, a body in motion stays in motion. So now your internal conversation goes something like, these are the reasons he should like me and this too is why he should like me and did I mention that he probably likes me I'm sure he likes me and then uh, this one I tell people in a lot of episodes uh, of our podcast about we talk about staying in the present and I know how hard that is I used to grit my teeth when people told me that uh, early on in in my therapy and in my outpatient work um, because I'm a ruminator and we ruminators operate in past and in future. We don't always think now, um, but this advice is so true. When you are grounded in the moment and staying in the present, you are not thinking about what bad things can happen to you in the future and you're not dwelling on mistakes that you've made in the past. And to get myself into the present, I start with my senses. I try to only hear the noises that surround me, whatever it is. If I'm in a room or if I'm in, you know, in the fans on or the dogs 
scratching an itch. That's what I hear. If I'm outside, do I hear cars going by or the kids next door? Um, so I try to focus on just the noises that are around me because if I give myself the assignment of listening to the actual sounds, I can't obsess on a fear. Similarly, we can concentrate on seeing what's in front of us at the very moment, not in the year 2034 if I'm supposed to be playing baseball or making cookies or whatever it is. I try to bring it back to whatever it is I'm doing, making the cookies or playing baseball, whatever it is, to just focus in the present. And we have more on doing that in other episodes in our wellness toolkit, our self-soothe episode, um, lots of good stuff in the other episodes on staying in the present. And as usual, I have rambled on and it is time once again to close out an episode. So I hope that we fit in enough different suggestions for you to consider as you work on getting rid of your obsessing uh, pattern and working on more enjoyment in your life. We hope that if you found things useful in this episode or other episodes that you will freely share our podcast with friends and family or people you care about. Uh, We look forward to hearing what you're working on. Uh, If you'd like to reach out and contact us, you can do so through our podcast platform. If you download the Anchor FM app, you can find the Wisdom Within podcast and then right in there, it'll see, show you where you can voice message us and you can leave us comments in your real voice and we can respond. Uh, you can also tweet us at Wisdom Within or at Kathleen Sirline. Or if you'd like to visit our website, you can go to wisdomwithinweb.com. That's wisdomwithinweb.com. Uh, and feel free to leave comments for us there. We're more than happy to have your suggestions, your feedback, even your constructive criticism. So please feel free to reach out and we would love to hear from you. In the meantime, we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, be well, take good care of yourselves, and be kind to yourself today. Take care, folks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.